You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. It's been a busy couple of days in recruiting. Washington secures a local recruit, secures a recruit from the islands, doing really well over in the 808 area code with Jacob Malloy, really doing his work there. But uh, let's go ahead and start off, Chris, with the first commit this week was guys, I'm going to butcher his name, Quau uh, Pahopa. Did I get it right, Chris? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no question there. Uh, he committed to Washington this week and uh, over offers from schools like Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Colorado. I mean, obviously a lot of Pac-12 interest um, as well as, you know, obviously UH. But then you've got Nebraska, you've got um, Wisconsin. So you had some, some, some national interest was brewing there as well. Uh, but, yeah, a big get for them. Another guy who can play both ways. But it sounds like uh, they like him on defense first. You know, it's a lot of the time it's important that we get to meet these guys and have a conversation with them in person. But in Hawaii, that's not always possible. But you were over for the Polynesian Bowl. You had a chance to stand next to him to gauge his size and talk to him for quite some time and gauge his personality. Tell us about your interaction with uh, Kuao. Well, yeah, it, it, what happens is, is that typically at the Polynesian Bowl, um, they are, um, you know, they are trying to outreach for, you know, recruiting over there anyway. So what happens is, is that clearly a ton of guys are in state for the Polynesian Bowl for that class. But then there's also obviously up and coming classes. So for the 2020 Polynesian Bowl, they also wanted to make sure that people, the, the media from, that had come over from the mainland were also well-versed in the 2021 class, for instance. And so obviously, Kuapehopo is, is one of those guys in that class, um, a really good player. And they had probably about 10 different guys that were there. Winnen Hohuli from, um, uh, from, is it? Uh, Mililani. Mililani. Yeah, from Mililani. That's right. I was thinking Lelehua. But yeah, from Mililani. It uh, was there as well as, you know, some of the other up-and-coming guys. And Pehopa was certainly one of those guys from Kamehameha who is, is um, uh, the guy that committed to Washington, obviously. But, yeah, so they have a kind of a media day for them the day before the Polynesian Bowl. So they come in to the hotel that's kind of the, the main media hotel uh, in Waikiki, and they bring them in, and, and they try to kind of spread them out so that we can get a pretty good um, conversation going with them. So I sat down with Kwao and, and talked to him for, I think, about 15 minutes. And then Scott uh, wrote up the story about him uh, maybe a week, 10 days after the game was over. And so people got a pretty good indication of his interest in Washington back then. Tell me what, uh, you know, like I said, it's important to stand next to a guy that's uh, body type and just, you know, what they look like physically, if they're carrying the weight well, if they're going to be able to add weight naturally. Tell us what you thought about size-wise and who would you compare him to on the, on the hoof? Well, he, you know, for, for, you know, as a guy in terms of if you're looking at him as a defensive player as opposed to maybe an offensive player, 
Um, he certainly has the same size as a guy like Fatui Tuatele, for instance, um, or, you know, maybe a guy that's not quite as big as like a Sam Taimani. I know Taimani's more like, you know, 310, 315 when he was in high school, whereas Hope is probably more like 290, 285, 290. But he's legitimately, um, you know, legitimately six two and a half, six three, I would say. And so I think in that sense, he, he's got the, the frame, looked really good on the hoof to me. I mean, he passes the eyeball test for sure, but very similar to me in stature uh, as a guy like Fatui Tuatele. And you mentioned early on that uh, it didn't long for you to figure out at that time, and we're talking back in January, that he was uh, had Washington near the top of his list in January. Yeah, I mean, he, he even talked back then about how – um, Coach Malloy had really – they kind of identified him as a defensive player, even though he is a true two-way lineman for Kamehameha. I mean, they like him on both sides. And if you watch his offensive film, it's a lot like Taimani, for instance. I mean, in terms of the style, in terms of what they can do, in terms of their versatility, I find a lot of similarities between Taimani and uh, Pehopa. But with Washington, clearly they, they like him as a, as a defensive lineman. And he seemed, even back in January, he seemed pretty well-versed in, in the tradition of the defensive linemen that have come from the islands and, and just players that have come from the islands in general that have gone to Washington. I think the influence of a guy like Tuatele, as well as like Sama Paama, for instance, was, um, was I think that was integral. Scott, from listening to uh, Kwao, taking a look at his film, talking to the other analysts like Blair Gulo, who covers Hawaii, just thoughts on this commitment from Kwao uh, Uh Yeah, I <clears throat> I really like the commitment of, of him. I, I He's a guy that I'd had on my next five to wolf uh, list for, I think, the last two that I've done. And I, I had him predicted in my mock as well. So um, I like it uh sick you don't have a lot of guys who are 6'3 300 pounds who can move like he does he's very light on his feet he has great explosiveness he gets out the ball really well um and I, I think part of it is just he's he's so soft-spoken I mean Chris talked to him I I listened to the interview very soft-spoken kid um but he does if you watch his film man he does a lot of his talking on the field just kind of lets his Let's his play do his talking for him, man. He gets after guys. He's aggressive. He's nasty. He's got a lot of uh, positives that he brings to the table. And uh, like Blair stated, and I think I stated it too in my in my commitment um, impact story, he has the ability to play. He can be a guard at the next level, just like Sam Taimani. Chris has done a good job of comparing the two of those. And um, I could see him playing offensive line, but right now he is scheduled for defensive line, and I think he'll be a really good guy to plug in there. Washington's still in on a couple other uh, interior guys that we'll talk about probably here in a second. But, uh, yeah, Kual Pehapa, great pickup for Washington and a nice start to that defensive front seven class. Washington's had a long history of bringing in guys from uh, the islands over in Hawaii. Chris, you've got some uh, really good connections over there. And uh, when you get over there, it just seems like a, since the hiring of Akaika Malloy, the relationships from the islands has really been solidified. And uh, Akaika seems like one of those guys in Hawaii, if you're from another school and you're going to compete against Akaika Malloy, it's not going to be easy. He's done a really good job over there. He has for sure. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that every top prospect is going to go 
to Washington, for instance. Some are going to still feel the need to stay close to home and be the hometown hero, which, uh, you know, is something that obviously Washington fans want to see with some of these uh, in-state guys from Washington this year. So it's, it's, a, it's a common feeling for sure. But with Akaika being there, with, with him being a guy that grew up there and understood it, he understands the, you know, what they call the Ohana of the family, you know, being a part of it and being, uh, you know, a lot of these families, they want to find a coach and a, and a program that will be like their, their second family away from home when they leave Hawaii. And so that's been huge for a lot of these guys. And, you know, again, I, I don't know if it's going to really manifest itself in Washington getting recruits from Hawaii every single year. But I think when they do make an impact in a certain recruiting cycle, they're going to be right up there with the very top guys in the islands. And like I said, it could be one of those situations where they get, you know, they got three or four guys in one cycle and they may not get someone the next one. And then a couple of years later, they may get two or three more. And those guys should be impactful players. I mean, we even saw Tim Horn, for instance, you know, no one's going to want to talk about Tim Horn being an island kid, but he's from Honolulu, played at Punahou. And he played in every single game last year. He burned his red shirt. He did it almost, I think, every kickoff but one or two. And, uh, you know, whether you consider that impactful or not, he, he played his role. So guys, guys are coming from the islands, and they're, and they're doing some things right away. Fatui Tuatele played in four games last year. Um, I don't know if he was in a situation where they would have wanted to burn his red shirt. Clearly, they want him to get bigger, faster, stronger. But they had a chance to – to see him play in four games and, and kind of get a feel for what he can do. And I think uh, when you look at a guy like Kwapeopa, um, he certainly fits the mold of the kind of guy that they like. Scott talked about him being soft-spoken. That's so common uh, among the Polynesian families. You know, I, some are reticent about talking about themselves, but even if they don't mind talking about themselves and what they're looking for and what they're good at and those types of things, very it's it's definitely not done with an idea of of them bragging right there's there's just no kind of look at me type of thing going on and um we know how important those types of things are when it comes to how washington evaluates their their prospects and scott it's important for people understand and you know the islands has the um mythical reputation uh like it's always loaded but I, Sometimes there's a lot of talent over there, and it runs cycles, and sometimes it's a little bit low. When you get into the L.A. market, there's just so many kids. That, you know, you're always going to have kids from the Southern market, but Hawaii seems like sometimes there's some really good players, and other times it's a little bit slimmer. Yeah, yeah, and and last year was pretty big with Jordan Botello and some of the other guys. Herbig was over there, and, you know, they had some really good players over there last year. The year before that, uh, Fatui Tuatelli uh, was a guy that Washington really targeted out of there. Um, there's been a lot of really good players come out of that area. I, you know, Hawaii, I remember there was one point that I started covering recruiting and it was really down over there. And Washington was hardly recruiting the islands because there just wasn't the talent level there that there was. Uh, over here on the mainland, but that has really kind of changed. They've really done a good job of of getting these guys ready over there, getting them coached up. The the coaching, from what I've heard, and, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I've always heard that the coaching over on the islands was I don't want to say suspect because I think they care about the kids, but they weren't really 
very good about developing guys and getting them ready to go. And I think that's one thing that um, maybe has improved a little bit. You're starting to see some of these bigger schools have some, their kids having success. And there's some really good players that are going to be coming through St. Louis and Punahou over the next couple couple years. Kahuku's always a really good program too. So those are kind of the big ones to watch. But Kamehameha always seems to be producing guys as well. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Want to jump over... I shouldn't have said jump, but uh, the next guy committed. Uh, I personally have liked for a long time out of Eatonville High School, Caden Jumper. He's son of former, um, he was a, I think he was a fullback at Oregon, Brandon Jumper back in the day out of Eatonville. Scott, um, tell me, just give me your brief scouting report on Caden Jumper. I know you've seen him a few times. Yeah, could be a player on either side of the ball, 6'3", 240, 245 pounds. Um, can run, can kind of do a lot of different things. He's not um, a quick twitch athlete that you're, you know, that a lot of people are expecting and everything like that. And uh, he does play at a smaller school. Eatonville is more of a 2A school. And so they play a, a little bit lower level of competition. But, you know, there's been a lot of talent coming out of those 2A schools. And, and he's kind of that next guy. Eatonville is way out there. It's out toward Mount Rainier and, and uh, it's, it's way out there. <laughs> and um, so you got to make an effort to get out there and see him play, but uh, plays quarterback for them, plays tight end, wide receiver, running back, plays defensive end, defensive tackle, D, uh, outside linebacker, does a lot of different things for uh, Eatonville and is the best player on the field pretty much any night he goes out on the field. Um, or if not, you know, maybe when they're, facing off against a team like Stillicum, he isn't, but he, he's right up there with the, the rest of those guys. And, um, you know, Washington isn't bringing him in to play tight end. A lot of people are concerned that they're missing out on these tight ends, but that's not really what he's being brought into play. I'm sure he will get some reps at tight end, but he's going to be more of an H back. He'll, they'll move him around a little bit. They'll use him in motion. They'll put him in the backfield to block. Washington's really going to go with a power football game, uh, try to run the ball downhill, and he's going to be an integral part of that. He'll come in, and he'll probably be behind um, Jack Westover and Devin Culp, who are both kind of playing that same position. And uh, but he'll come in, he'll and he'll do really, really well in that role. He can catch the ball, he can run the ball at times, but he'll be that hard-nosed, tough guy who can go in and block and lead the way for the running attack. This is one of the things that a lot of the posters on the site and just uh, other people aren't. And they haven't wrapped their head around. He's not a tight end. Um, I look at him as a little bit more of a Swiss Army kind of guy where you can line him up um, on the end as a traditional tight end. You can put him out in the slot. When you take a look at what some of the other tight ends that Washington had, like Will Disley, Kate Otten, they will put them in the slot and put them in motion and put them behind the quarterback and use them as a fullback. But you're being asked to do things more than just your traditional tight end 
And that's what the NFL is looking for right now. When you take a look at the last couple of drafts, tight ends to have a premium. Everybody's looking for that guy that can do more, that can act as the that can act as a team that can go in the slot because with the limited roster spot, if you can have a guy that's versatile, it's huge. And that's the way I look at Caden Jumper. Yeah, I fully agree with you on that. I, he can do a lot of different things. And uh, the NFL is starting to head back toward more ty- uh, more uh, fullbacks and H-backs. And I think you're going to see an offense, offense start to move that way a little bit more. And Washington is trying to get an advantage, kind of like what Stanford had a few years ago where they – we're running three tight end sets. Nobody was doing that back then when Stanford started doing it. Now a lot of teams do it and Washington's going to try and go and get that edge where maybe they don't have three tight ends in, but they have a fullback who, or H back, whatever you want to call him, where he's in the backfield, lining up in the backfield, more two back sets and everything like that. So lots of different things, that, different ways you can use a versatile athlete like Caden Jumper. Yeah, and, and like the Seahawks, when they used George, they used him as a tight end and they used him as a tackle. So you have a guy that can be that versatile. And I talked to a couple of my good sources at some other Pac-12 schools, and they said it's perfect for what Washington wants with them. If you're looking at him as a tight end, probably not so much, but I described him as a tough kid, going to go down on initial contact. If he needs one additional yard, he's going to give you everything he has to get that additional yard. But, uh, you know, if you're looking at He's not Hunter Bryant. He's not. He's Kate Otten. He's a lot different player. Um, and we're getting a good idea of what is. And, you know, Chris, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the type of offense that uh, John Donovan wants to run because we really haven't had a chance to see what it looks like yet. Well, it's very true. I, and I think if people start to jump to conclusions about what the offense is going to look like based on getting a commitment from a player like Brandon Jumper, I think they're not perceiving correctly. I mean, Washington's still going to throw the ball a ton. Washington's still going to be throw the ball down the field. They're going to be vertical. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to take their shots. I don't think there's any question about it. That's what Jimmy Lake has said. That's what John Donovan has said himself. I think what people need to understand, at least the way I'm perceiving this commitment and the way that I look at it, within the bigger picture is the fact that when Brandon Jumper gets the ball or Caden Jumper gets the ball, he's a running back. None of those other tight ends are that way. Even Hunter Bryant, as good as Hunter Bryant is with yards after the catch and with the ball in his hand, he's not a running back. He's still a receiver at heart. That's not Caden Jumper at all. Caden Jumper, if you watch his film, it's like a jailbreak every time he gets the ball in the backfield as the quarterback when he's running the read zone or the RPO, he is the guy. Once he tucks, he is gone. I mean, he's, he's, he's a 245 pound running back. And that's just something that Washington hasn't had in an awful long time. I saw a comment on Twitter where people were maybe comparing him to a guy like Johnny Curtin. And I, yeah, why not? That Actually. I, yeah. If, that's if, great. If, great if, comparison. If, some, if, if Caden jumper could be, could be a guy with you, – you talked about Swiss Army Knife, Kim. If he could have that kind of an impact and run the ball like a Johnny Curtin, for instance, I, I, I don't see what the problem is at all. And, again, think about it within the framework of this is still going to be a pro-style offense. We're not necessarily talking about a throwback type of offense here. 
We're just talking about getting a bigger back that is a running back, a guy who runs when he has the ball in his hand, some action. And the thing is, is that think about the third and fourth down missed opportunities with the Wildcat uh, against Oregon, for instance, or some of these other you know, situations where they didn't have maybe Richard Newton available at the time, or you know, even going back a couple years when Miles Gaskin may not have been available. You know, now you've got a guy with 245 pounds on him that runs behind his pads that can, you know, say, okay, if you want to get in front of me, you go ahead and make that business decision for yourself. Or even lining him up in the back, in the, you know, in the wildcat, but not handling the ball, but as a lead blocker. You could do that too. Again, you said Swiss Army Knife. To me, I would like to use the, t- I, I think John Donovan can weaponize a guy like Caden Jumper. They can put him in the H-back. They can put him in a slot. They can put him in line. They can put him. They can have him dotting the eye. They can have him as a lead blocker. They can do so many things with a guy like this. And he wants to be here. He wants to be at Washington. He wants to be a guy that can be a difference maker. And, again, like Scott said, you know, he's usually the best guy when he's on the field unless you're playing against – Emeka Ibuka, for instance. But that league is not a small league by any stretch, even though it is a 2A league. They're playing Stilicum. They're also playing teams like Fife and Clover Park and some of these other ones that have traditionally put out players that have gone D1. So um, I think there's a lot of reasons why people should get excited about Caden Jumper. Do I think that this is a guy that all of a sudden is an instant impact player from day one? No. But not many, not many of those guys exist out there that are true, legitimate impact guys from the jump. Um, Maybe we'll see this fall with a guy like Jalen McMillan, for instance. But I remember we all thought Byron Murphy was going to be absolute heresy for him to redshirt. He redshirted. And um, so we just don't know how things go once guys get here. But I think on the surface, when you look at it, I think there's plenty of reasons to like what Caden Jumper can bring to this offense um, in his own way. And Scott, it sounds like this is something where we're going to be seeing Devin Culp, same thing that is when they re, uh, recruited a guy like a Caden Jumper. Another comment from another guy back 12 that I got is, you fill your roster by that. He said they may not be an all-conference player. They may not be an all-American. They're a really solid piece to what you're doing. And when you can fill your roster with guys that are just really solid, he said, that's the bulk of your roster, and you need guys like that. Like, this is what is going to be asked to do as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've been saying that for a little while, that uh, Devin Culp is going to make that move, and, and they're going to figure out different ways to use him and get him involved in the passing game as well. So, yeah, you need guys who are role players. You need guys who are superstars, and you need guys who are going to come in and do the dirty work. And, and – Guys like Colt, guys like uh, Jumper, guys like Westover, those are the guys that you really count on to be your, what do they call them, glue guys, something like that. So, you know, it, you don't need every guy to be a superstar that comes in and plays. You need a guy who comes in and plays a role and does it really, really well. You could be looking at a two- or three-year starter in Caden Jumper, and I think that you would take that anytime you offer a guy a scholarship. If you can get a return of a guy as a three-year starter for you, that you're doing pretty well. When you look, they're not done at tight end. They'll probably take, um, and not saying he's a tight end because he's kind of that hybrid guy. 
but it sure looks like another tight end in this class and then uh, the following year. I actually year. expect two. I expect two in this class, yeah. Yeah, and then um, Kate Otten's little brother uh, the following year, who will be, um, you know, uh, mm -hmm. high likelihood as well. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, they're they're in the market for two in this class and one, if not two, in the 2022 class. So they're they're just going to hum right along with that. And Chris, this is something that's a little bit different and the game is evolving and the game is changing. Um, you know, three, four, five years ago, you maybe had four tight ends on the roster, but that's changed right now. You're looking at having more than just four to five tight ends on the roster, but they can do so many things. Absolutely, they can do so many things. And it's a difficult position to learn. I think we, we talked with Jordan Palpow for years about how tough it was and how Chris Peterson said it was arguably one of the toughest positions to learn on the, on, on the offense that they do because everything is so multiple and they have to understand where everyone is supposed to be. It's almost like, uh, you know, kind of having almost a quarterback type uh, mentality and, and understanding of the offense when it, when it comes down to it because they are responsible for so many things, whether it's blocking, whether it's running the ball, whether it's going out for a pass, what have you. Um, but yeah, again, I would expect them to go for two, just like Scott said, just because it's they're going to lose two. I mean, Kate Otten and, and Jacob Kaiser are going to be graduating. So um, that's, again, they would want to fit uh, numbers for numbers, and, and that makes a lot of sense. Scott, how big is this class going to be? Uh, I'd say somewhere between 20 and 22, somewhere around there. Okay. Prefect, uh, you know, coming up, anything on the horizon, anything that we're expecting, anticipating coming in the future? Well, I, I think Washington's going to start putting some pressure on on some of these guys that they're that they've been recruiting. I think uh, you're not going to see things open up in May as far as um, visitors to campus. I don't even think we'll probably see much in June, maybe toward the end of June. But uh, I know that the coaches are planning on guys being there, um, if not for uh, – Chris, I, if I remember correctly, you said that the uh, quarter is supposed to be online. Is that correct? The first part of summer quarter is supposed to be online? I believe that's true. Okay. Yeah. So, But from what I've heard, they're still going to try and get the guys up for the LEAP program and maybe not – not be in the elite program because I think in the elite program they have all of the incoming freshmen from all the different sports show up correct that yeah that that's the that's the understanding for sure yeah so so the thing is um you know I, I don't think they're going to have it where the people are in class or they're doing different things together but I do think that the football team wants to get these guys up and have them start working out because I think they're talking about what I, from everything that I'm, I'm hearing is they're talking about these guys being able to start working out in July um, together at the school. So we'll, we'll just kind of see, obviously, just so many things up in the air with the way things are going. But um, right now, that's where I think they're, they're hoping things go. And um, so, yeah, I, I would say that uh, that's kind of – I don't see any visits happening until probably July from in-state kids. Uh, or, I'm sorry, from from kids coming in, um, but I could see at least two or three more commits that I can think of that I think Washington's going to start leaning on some of these guys here over the next month, month and a half. Had to talk to Sam Hewitt a couple days ago. We had a podcast up, uh, had an interesting conversation with Sam. He's one of the 
I mean, both of you around Sam a little bit. He's as good as it comes when it comes to quality person and you know, hell of a quarterback to uh, give a list of that. Uh, Scott, anything else, any other sins we need to tie up? Uh, no, right now, uh, like I said, just, um, you know, things are going to keep kind of humming along on the recruiting front. I don't, I don't expect any commitments here, uh, in, you know, guys that are, that I think are, could happen anytime, but, um, I think we could in the next couple of weeks start to see two or three more guys, maybe a couple of local commits make a decision. So we'll have to see. Scott, I mean, uh, Chris, any other loose ends we need to tie up? Uh, just, I just wanted to make sure on, um, on Kowal Peopa again, um, some people might be curious because he did commit now without the ability to, to go out and, you know, maybe go to a spring practice or something like that. Just wanted to reiterate, he has visited Washington before. So this isn't a situation where he's committing to Washington cold and has never seen Seattle, never seen UW before. Um, from what I remember, he visited – you know, Washington, he also visited Washington State, uh, ASU, if I remember correctly. I think he also went back in the Midwest and visited Wisconsin, Nebraska, Notre Dame. So he's, he's done some due diligence this in the past 12 months. And um, when I talked to him, I remember distinctly that Washington and Wisconsin were the ones that really stood out to him, which kind of told me a little something about how he values toughness and physicality in what he's looking for, because obviously Washington, Wisconsin built their reputations on that kind of thing. So, but I wanted to kind of reiterate the idea that, that uh, Pehopa didn't kind of commit to Washington and then all of a sudden say, Oh, but you know, maybe I want to still visit stuff when things open up. Well, he's, he's done a little bit of that due diligence. I'm not saying that can't happen down the road because we see that all the time in every cycle where guys make commitments and then all of a sudden, the other coaches are like, well, wait a second, you didn't give us a shot. Well, okay, that, that may happen, but I just wanted to make sure people understood that Peopa has visited Washington and was blown away. It's funny because even though we didn't have spring football, we don't have any existing sports. Um, it's surprising how busy we've been and have been able to keep everybody updated with uh, different things. We've had conversations with coaches, recruiting going on the NFL draft, of course. So, um, even though there doesn't appear to be a lot going on, it just seems like every day when uh, we wake up that there actually is stuff going on. So we're doing our best to keep you guys to date, keep you guys informed. And just a reminder, you know, for those who haven't uh, done so already, more casual fans, if you're looking for those daily dates, as well as breaking news, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com with subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. Again, Husky Stadium at Gmail, subject line. We're not done. There's always a lot going on whenever we think it's going to be quiet. That's when I start getting my head on a little because you know something's coming up. It always seems to work that way. And once this social distancing lightens up a little bit and myself and Scott and Chris find ourselves out a little bit and the house, out of the house and Scott's out of the house, we can guarantee that's the something will happen. Isn't that the way it works, Scott? We'll scatter. Usually. Usually. Yeah. So when we're slow, I'll uh, instruct everybody to scatter and uh, always make something happen. Um, also, we just really appreciate all you guys. You guys have been awesome in supporting us in what we do. And, uh, you know, we're, we're cranking. We'll just keep on cranking for you guys. So 
For all of us at com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Adam. Go dogs. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.